You're listening to SuperPod Recession Proof Your MSP, presented by SuperOps.ai, where we ask experts, analysts, and business owners what MSPs need to do now to recession proof their MSP and keep their foot on the growth pedal. Hi there. Welcome to this special edition of SuperPod Recession Proof Your MSP. I'm Radhika Nair, and I am SuperOps.ai's in house storyteller and your host. Today, I'm very thrilled to have Scott Riley on this episode with us. Scott is a tech strategy professional who has worked in the industry for over 20 years. He has held leadership roles at some of UK's largest IT service providers. Scott now runs a Microsoft 365 and Azure consultancy firm, CloudNexus. And after all these years, he still says he loves IT. And he's going to be talking to us about how in the recession, Automation and standardization are a must for MSPs, not just from an operational efficiency point of view, but also from a succession planning point of view. Welcome, Scott. So glad to have you here. Oh, thank you, Radhika. And that, that is a lovely introduction. I will try to live up to all the wonderful things that you've just said there. Um, but thank you so much for having me on the uh, the SuperOps SuperPod. It's, it's wonderful to be here chatting with you today. Thank you so much, Scott. And I'm sure you will surpass all expectations. <laughs> so I wanted to, um, you know, we were discussing about, uh, you know, the recession and about how talent crunch is something that MSPs need to prepare for or are already facing. And that's how this entire topic came about, right, about automation and standardization. So I wanted to First, talk to you about that, about recession itself. Are you seeing an impact of recession on MSPs? Are you seeing a talent crunch already? Well, so it's it's a really interesting thing because we always look at IT and, and managed IT services as something that's quite recession-proof as it is. We always go, well, look, whatever happens, everybody needs IT services. They need help and support and you know systems to work properly so that, that you know their business can work properly. But I tell you where I'm starting to see some impact is there's an awful lot of mergers and acquisitions of of our customers happening. And so, you know, you might see, especially in legal or finance, we're seeing a huge amount of, of consolidation going on with firms buying up other firms. And what that means for the MSP, I mean, it either goes one of two ways. Either you're looking after the client who is being super successful and they're going out and they're buying other firms in. And so your workload's increasing, which is is fantastic, but also brings challenges, which automation you know can help with. Um, or it's it's actually it's the other way around. Uh, and this is where it can hit MSPs negatively in that you're looking after the client that gets purchased and you know, they're getting consumed into the larger group. And actually that group has already got an IT relationship and a partner, or maybe they're doing things in-house. And so actually you as the MSP are losing a client through through no fault of your own. You've probably delivered some wonderful service, you know, for them, but that's just what's happening in the market. Um, but as I think about, you know, the 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 times, let's, you know, we stick with the, the happier situation. Your, your client is going out and buying more clients and, and more customers. Fantastic. But you've now got a uh, suddenly another three hundred people to look after in that IT service. How do you how do you scale that quickly and support the customer? Because that's not something perhaps you were expecting. Right, and I I also remember you mentioning about you know the need to focus on internal profitability, right? And I wanted you to speak a little bit more about that about how 
you know, at this time when, when, like you mentioned, all these changes are happening, when, you know, you might be having technicians leaving in happy situations, you might have people coming on board, you have a bit of churn happening in uh, among your clients and all of those that's happening, you know, how you need to keep focusing or keep that eye on uh, the profitability numbers, right? So I wanted you to speak a little bit more about that. Yeah, it's 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 absolutely huge, and it's something that um, you know when I chat to other MSPs because we do a lot of work, you know, with MSPs directly, and you know, I speak to some of the great business coaches that that you and I both know, like like Pete Matheson or Richard Tubb, and it's it's a continual conversation with MSPs to be sure that they are really clear on how profitable each client is, um, and and this is something that I've seen you know, in, in small MSPs and also in really large MSPs where the costs that are going out of the door to your suppliers, whether that's, you know, connectivity or phone systems or licensing or whatever it is, is actually greater than the money that you're bringing in from clients. And there's a discrepancy there. Or it's a simple thing that, you know, you're expecting maybe to spend 20 or 30 minutes, you know, on each ticket with a client. Um, and some clients are just absolutely battering your service desk and using up all the hours. And and the value that they're getting out of that is is phenomenal for them as a client. But for you as the MSP, there's, there's an imbalance. And so we're always challenging MSPs to say, have you got a really clear grip on, on a per customer basis? What are the costs that are coming in and what's the time that's being consumed on the service desk? And then what's the revenue that's attached to that? And, and are you happy and are you comfortable that that works? Because sometimes we just have to have an awkward conversation um, with the client around, do you know what? You, 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 <laughs> in the nicest possible way, you, you use us too much. Um, and, and that can be a challenge when MSPs have, have sold the service essentially as an all you can eat, you know, come to us, we'll take care of everything because in our heart as MSPs, we want to be friendly and we want to be helpful and, and we really want to love on those clients, but sometimes they're just taking up too much of our time. Um, and I think there's there's a few different approaches. As I say, you could go and talk to them. You really are taking too much time here. We need to look at a different way to service things. Um, or you can look at something that I do, and this is this is something that I do as a as a personal uh, sort of owner and operator of an MSP, um, but also something that can apply to MSP businesses as a whole. Uh, my personal mantra is to make myself useless in my own business. Um, I mean that in the nicest possible way, um, but it's it's to get to a point of efficiency where I'm not in the way of any process. Which means that as the as the the owner, I can take holidays, I can be away for weekends, that kind of stuff, because I know that the the systems and process we've put in place are working really well or we've automated so much that it's it's you know it takes care of itself and so when we look at things where clients are maybe taking too much time in the service desk or tickets are taking too much time it's a great opportunity to start looking at things and saying how could we do this better um and for me if, if i just stick with that personal bit at the moment i always look at things that land on my desk on a weekly basis and i'll say right does this does it generate revenue for the business? You know, is is that something I was dealing with? Um, does it increase our value to customers in some way or form? Uh, and that's why I was dealing it. Should someone else be dealing with this, either internally or externally as a, as a service partner? Yeah, why am I the one doing it? And finally, could it be automated? And so when I look at the tasks that I get through on a weekly basis, that's kind of my checklist. And once a week, I'll sit down and just have a quick recap and look at the things that landed on my desk and really just ask, 
why was I the one dealing with it? And why was I the one that was spending time on it? And I think we can then take that sort of mindset and apply that to what's happening in our business around service test tickets and issues and taking regular reviews of the amount of time that's coming in. Because I think what we can then do is really start to take action. Once we understand what the challenge is and where the discrepancies are, now we can actually start to take action. And it might be such a simple thing to say is, you know, at least once a month, have a look at all the tickets that came through the service desk and then go through and go, right, which of these are really repeatable issues? Which of these are really repeatable questions from clients? How much of this stuff could we automate? Could we simplify? Could we standardize in some way so that even if the question does keep coming up, we've got a really rapid response or hopefully an automated response to that? Or is there a piece of action we could do or a new product we could bring in or even swapping out some technology so that this question stops coming to the service desk altogether? Because, of course, that that whole great thing for MSPs in the service desk world is we've standardized or automated and set up some things as well as possible that actually the number of times that we get called by client is really low. So the service that we're delivering is amazing. Um, and of course, that brings its own challenges. You know, if you do things so well, you might get to the end of each annual renewal and the client goes, I don't really know what I'm paying you for. Well, that that's a nice problem to have. But there's so much that we can do, I think, to just take stock of how much time our client's taking, how are we delivering that service? And then is there a better way that we can do it? And once you kind of get into that mindset of going, what we're not going to do is bring on 300 more managed IT seats. And so mm. therefore, we need to increase our service desk by five people to cope with the number of tickets that we're going to get. What you want to say is, here's my number of people in the service desk. How can I make their life as efficient as possible, as streamlined as possible? And actually, that means we can add another 300 seats without increasing our cost base on service desk. Well, that's a fantastic situation to be in. So how can we do that? And what are the sort of you know tools and operations that we can use to get there? Um, I'm going to take a breather for two seconds because I hope that I, I got to your, your question in there. Yes, yes, you did. And in fact, Doug, uh, quite a few interesting points you raised there. One, which you were saying, you know, the fact that as the owner, you should not be, uh, you know, doing just, you should not just be working in the business, right? And you should not, be in a way uh, the the repository of all the knowledge and all the processes there and the business should not be dependent on you in fact one of the episodes that uh, one of the other episodes that I was talking uh, to with one of the MSPs he was mentioning how as an acquirer he looks at businesses or MSPs where you know if the owner is becoming uh, is, is the person who is at the fulcrum and you know are, will that be a risk and that's something that a lot of us don't think about, right? And that that's a very interesting point that you made there. Oh, it's it's huge. Having having been on that side of the table as well, where we were acquiring MSPs, um, I can honestly tell you where we where we bought an MSP, where the 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 main person, that owner, that player manager was heavily involved in either the day-to-day -day processes or heavily involved in the customer management and relationship. Honestly, it just it fell apart once that person was no longer part of the business. And so we had a couple of bad experiences. Now, and bear in mind, we did 17 mergers and acquisitions. We did 17 acquisitions. Wow. Um, 
in the time that I was there, it was a lot. <laughs> and um, we learned very quickly on those, you know, those yeah. single person player manager roles that they had to be out. They had to be out of the day-to-day, -day, out of the customer relationship management, out, you know, to one side, almost like a figurehead of the business completely to one side before we could make an acquisition because the pain that we felt and the number of customers that we lost after making an acquisition, it just, it made the whole thing not worth it. You know, we would spend millions acquiring a customer base and and and, and a service team and all this kind of stuff. And ultimately it fell down to the one person with everything in their head, as you say, and the, the transition was so painful that customers were just like, oh, no, if, if this is how it's going to be with you guys, we don't want to be here. Um, and so it was it's a very big factor. And I think in the, in the previous podcast, they're absolutely right. When you're looking at acquiring an MSP, you will look at that single figurehead at the, at the top and go, what do you do? What do you actively do on a daily basis? So I'd encourage anyone who's listening to, to our show today, if you're thinking of selling your MSP, you know, whether it's soon or in the future, you should already be looking at my awesome plan of making yourself useless in your own business. Um, yes. But genuinely, that's it's a great way to be because the way I look at it is if if I get to that point of being you know useless, um, either the business runs itself and, mm. and and I'm in a great position to sell at some point in the future, or the business runs itself and and maintains an income for me and 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 I can spend my time doing something else, having another business, you know, spend time with family, what, whatever I would like to do, because I've I've freed up myself completely to the point where I'm not needed to run this business day to day. Well, that's also an awesome position to be in. Um, but I still have a passion for technology. And so, you know, I might be doing something else or I might be dipping in and consulting, but it's, it's not a pressure that, you know, the phone rings on a, a Saturday night and I, I'm the one that has to, you know, jump up and rally the troops and, and get things done. That's that's not the world that we should be in. Um, right. And I think I mentioned when we chatted in February, there's there's some MSPs that I see on LinkedIn um, and, and you can see that they're, they're, that small, you know, owner operator role and, you know, that the posts are all, well, up at 6 a.m., got to drive five hours to go and install this laptop for a computer, for a customer. Up, right. up, here I am just in, in the evening, just sorting out some 365 policies for a customer. And you're like, wow, every time I see your posts, it's it's evenings or it's weekends. And, you know, as exactly as you said, you know, none of us started an MSP to, to have another job and, and a job that probably pays us less than we could get paid somewhere else and has more hours with all the stresses and things that are attached to it. You know, we all had this entrepreneurial dream of of owning a business running a business having a great team and almost you know sort of stepping to one side and go well this this is a fantastic thing that we do but having a lot of personal free time back um and you fall into that entrepreneur trap i think really early on where you end up doing a lot of the work the entire point of having a tech stack having all these tools at your disposal or having a, a you know a platform at your disposal the entire idea is you know like you said on a saturday evening if you're getting a call you should not be getting that call, right? That's the entire point of having automations. That's the entire point of having these systems and processes in place. So that's that's something that I wanted to understand from you as well, or you know, for you to talk about a little more about, you know, the automations that you are setting up, the uh, the standard operating procedures that you're setting up. Can you walk us a little through the processes that you have that? You know, like you were mentioning, looking at your service desk, at your tickets that are coming in and seeing, right, what are the things that keep cropping up? What can be automated? What can be, you know, what policies can be set up and, you know, so that you are not getting those calls so that the systems are taking care 
of the problems even if you know your you are asleep or your techs are asleep i wanted to understand a little bit more about how you do that yeah, absolutely. And, you know, I think it, it, this all comes down to a, a lot of planning, uh, you know, at the beginning. So, you know, it's 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 easy for us to talk about the things that we have in place. But I, I know a lot of MSPs who are going to be listening is sort of, you know, maybe not in, don't have the same products or services. So for me, it's all about it comes right back to the beginning. And I, I have to look at, you know, what are the products that we sell and what are the services that we we offer around those how do we quote for them? How do we invoice them? How do we deliver them? How do we provide support? And then how do we report on all of that as well? Because ultimately that's the sort of, that's the MSP toolkit, isn't it? That's what we're helping our clients to do. That's that's what we need to do operationally rather to take away the IT pain from our clients. Um, and also, you know, guide them on a great way to use technology in the future. It's not just about the break fix, of course. Um, but we have to pick really carefully the products in the portfolio because we want to make sure that these things can talk to each other. So again, simple, simple examples. But let's say you know that we're rolling out, um, you know, a new VPN service for our clients, um, and we have a couple of choices to make. There's you know there's there's a market leader uh, who are absolutely fantastic and it's a great product and, and looks brilliant, but it's not integrated into our distribution system and it doesn't integrate with Azure Active Directory, which is something that we use for all of our clients. Mm-hmm. Well, so that means that we're going to have to manually reconcile the billing every month and we're going to have to manually provision and deprovision users on that platform every month. Okay. Over here, we've got another VPN platform that is inside our distribution platform. Great. Okay. And it also integrates with Azure Active Directory. Now, might not be as market-leading and award-winning as this product over here, but if we can satisfy ourselves that it is secure, it is going to meet the client's requirements, just having it in our distribution system and in Azure Active Directory you know, compatibility takes away so many manual tasks straight away for us. So we've opted for a product there that we know as soon as we provision a license, it will go through our billing platform, it will connect to our finance system, and it will be reconciled at the end of the month automatically. Nobody wants to be doing manual reconciliations. So we have to pick our products with that in mind. And if if you can't find a way, you've genuinely got the best product that services the, the client's needs, but it, you just can't get that automatic integration, we would go and see if there's a tool like Zapier or Zapier. They call them Zaps, so I'm, I'm going to stick with Zapier. <laughs> um, but Zapier is a great way to connect things that have an API for provisioning and deprovisioning or for billing reconciliation. It's a great tool that we use to grab data from one system and import it into another. But I genuinely tell you, one of the, the big changes that we've made is we use... Um, a distribution partner, which is Pax8, they have a catalog of things. We've decided to try wherever possible to make sure that we will use products inside that portfolio because the automation of, um, you know, sort of product delivery, it's 98% automated, which means pretty much every license that we buy or service or product that we need is automated. So we don't need to think about new users or removing users. In fact, customers can self-serve on there. It's tied into our ticketing system so that we know when anyone does anything in there, if a customer makes a request or adds a license, it goes into our ticketing system so it can be tracked. And then it's connected to our finance system where we use Zero. 
And so that billing reconciliation happens every month. And the reason that that's hugely important is that it's so easy for MSPs, especially when you get to a scale, to have a complete disconnect between the bills that are coming in from your suppliers and the invoices that you're charging out to your clients. And it might only be one or two licenses you know, on a given client. But if you've got 100 clients, that's 200 licenses that, that, that are different this month, and they could be anywhere from £2 to £15 a license. That's quite a discrepancy. So having that those systems tied together is hugely important. And that's why it's it's all down to the products that we sell and then the services that we wrap around them, we have to think about those products really carefully. And so if that's a situation that you're finding yourself in as an MSP, where you look at when you bring on a new client, you've won a new client, fantastic news. What are those first things that we have to do? Well, we want to get them an NDA. We want to get them a contract. I mean, I suppose we wanted to have sent them a proposal. Um, we want to get an NDA, a contract. We want to set up a direct debit how much of this stuff is someone manually typing keys and pressing things and pushing buttons and how much of it is actually a streamlined process. Um, we use a great tool at the front end called Zementum um, and Zementum helps us with standardized documents. Here's our general terms and conditions that customers need to sign. Here's our non-disclosure agreement. Here's our proposal platform that we have. So if we're deploying, you know, managed IT services, here's a pre-written proposal with some bits that we can tailor in the executive summary at the beginning. And here's all the digital signature platform. That's all done in, in one place. We can send the proposal, send the quote, whatever it is to the client. As soon as they sign to say they've accepted it, it will trigger a, an alert into our ticketing system. Say, hey, new project, new customer, here are some activities that we need to do because the, the client has ordered these items, or it's a new setup. And so here are the items that are flagged in our ticket system straight away. Now it comes on to, well, we've won a client, we've got them into the system. They're all set up on direct debit and invoicing. They're in our distribution platform. We can give them licenses. What are we doing? What's, what's our standard bill for a customer? And what are the standard tools and services? Now, um, MSPs might call this their stack. They might have like one stack of products and services that they do for everyone. They might have a good, better, best approach. And, and maybe you've sold, you know, one type of, of service tier to this client. But what is it that we're going to deliver? And again, being really clear about your products and the services that you offer and bundling these together makes it really simple now. Because as we move into delivery, we know exactly what it is that we're going to deliver. We, these are the products, maybe in this service here, or these are the products in the stack. This is what we need to roll out. This is how we set up the security. This is how we set up the VPNs, whatever it is that we're doing. But we then have a documented process that says, this is how we deploy things. Too often, what we do is we kind of throw it across the fence to the techs and go, hey, we just want to manage you know, IT services clients. Go and go and roll out the stuff that we normally roll out, and so it's down to a person's memory to go. Well, yeah, we normally do. Yeah, we normally do defender uh, licensing. We normally, yeah, we normally put the the backup on from drop suite. We normally do, and and it just just thinking, what do we normally do? Whereas having a standard operating procedure that actually says these are the products, this is what we do, this is exactly how we set up each product makes it really easy. And I'll tell you why it makes it really easy is because in this world that I was talking about right at the start of this call, where we said, you know, mergers and, and acquisitions are happening and you might suddenly get, you know, 300 people added to your managed IT service and, and you might need to recruit that new tech. 
well, how quickly can we get them up to speed? Because the sooner that they can be useful and productive, helping customers, the better, right? We can't afford to have this six-week, 12-week lead time before they're genuinely really useful. Having documented SOPs makes a huge impact for how we can actually get those techs up to speed. They're clever people. We just need to tell them, here's how we do things in our MSP because this is how we get best effect. So having things documented really clearly. Now, lots of people use things like IT glue to keep their documentation processes in. It just makes life simple. We can go through and we can have, you know, for this product or for this service app, these are the products that we're deploying for the customer. This is how we set them up. This backup that we're using, the antivirus tool that we're using, you know, the web filtering controls. These are all the things that we're doing. And this is exactly how we set them up. And then, of course, setting up the reporting and the alerting to match with the appropriate thresholds. Now, if you've got all that stuff documented in SOP, and a new starter can come in the business and follow things from A to Z and deploy a new client without asking any questions, Mwah! chef's kiss, you've absolutely nailed the documentation because it works and it's a provable process. However, the next level is if you can look at the list of, of your SOPs and go, can we automate that? Can we get a tool or a system or a product or a service or a script to go automate that? And that is where you then start to get to the next level of things. Because the great thing there is you've standardized the sales process. You've simplified it and, and put things into a tool like Momentum. You know, there, there are others available. Um, and so every quote has the right information. That means that every time you put an order into the ordering team, the delivery team, they get the same information. Ah, yes, okay, it's, you know, service catalog bronze. We're, we're delivering a bronze customer today. I know what's in there. Here's the SOP for, for what we need to deliver. When it gets into support, everything's been set up the same way. A bronze customer here is the same as a bronze customer there. The products are the same, the configuration the same. It, we've really simplified and made our life easier so that when a ticket comes into support, not only can they quickly identify this is the type of customer that we've got, but also I know it's been set up the same way as all the other customers. We might have documented some slight variations for, for whatever reason. Every customer is different. Everyone has their slight you know differences, but we'll have, this is the standard. These are any differences from our usual baseline. Now they're easier to support. And of course, when we then move across into reporting, standard products, fewer tickets because it's a standard deployment and less things to have to report on in terms of issues, but also a really nice standardized reporting um, you know, pack at the end of each month or quarter. You're making your life simpler throughout that process by having these SOPs. And I know, don't be wrong, I totally know that the challenge is MSPs are busy. Okay. They have four or five people sat on a service desk or 10 or 12 people sat on a service desk because there's constant tickets and constant bombardment and everybody's got loads of stuff to do. So the concept of standing back and going, right, let's, let's write down our standard operating procedures can sound horrific. It can sound like, oh my God. I mean, unless we're planning to hire someone, I don't see us doing that anytime yeah. soon. I One more challenge. task for me to worry about. That's, that's the instant. Yeah. Hmm. Yeah, it's it, it it is, isn't it? Right, because you just go. Everyone's busy, right? We mm -hmm. we have to we have to service the customers. But if you can take someone out, and it's probably going to be one of your best technicians because they they 
that have done this for the longest, maybe they've been there for the longest amount of time, and get them to start documenting things in the right way. You're then going to identify the opportunities. Okay. You're going to see actually this product's rubbish. <laughs> this is such a pain in the bum to deploy that we need to swap it for something else. And you know, we picked this product maybe three or four years ago. Maybe there's a better product. Um, and and some of the MSPs will actually review their entire product stack on an annual basis just to make sure it's a good product, it's a good fit, it's got the right price point. They're still market leading as they were last time we you know we selected and recommended them, um, and it's easy to deploy and maintain because if you've picked a product that's just a pain every single month for every single one of your customers, please don't stick with it. Um, you need to get <laughs> you need to get that changed over, but it's a great opportunity to go. Here are the products and services. This is the pain that we see on service desk or in delivery. These are the costs. Okay, well, if we're still happy with it as a product, this is our standard operating procedure to deploy it for any customer. Once that's in, as I say, you could then look at how to script that and just make life really, really simple for yourself. Right. And and what you're saying, everything resonates so well for me because, you know, even at SuperOps, we uh, have this entire concept of run books where the entire standard operating procedures are, you know, baked into the PSA. And like you mentioned, when a new tech comes in, right, and if they can just follow the process, follow what your best technician has already put in there as the next step. So the tasks to be done, then that's absolutely brilliant, right? You're not wasting anybody's time to get the tech up to speed. And, and the entire point you were mentioning about, um, and I, I think in uh, our last conversation, we did touch upon this about auto remediation, right? And that's something of a, uh, you know, a big talking point here right now at SuperOps at least. But I wanted to get your sense of that. You were mentioning about the RMM agent and the RMM tool, right? And that's a very significant tool that you have in your arsenal to ensure that, you know, the your service uh, team is not overloaded, right? A lot of these tasks can be automated. You know, you have a server maintenance to be done every month. You can automate it. You don't need an alert to come in or you don't need a ticket to be raised to, you know, to deal with that. So I wanted to understand a little bit about your thought process there. Yeah, absolutely. I think that that is the the the, the next level, and and that's something that I think we're going to see just really, really ramp up this year. I mean, we've we've already seen things like how Chat GPT has has really opened people's minds to automation and and smart automation. I think that's the key thing. Um, we've all had things like run books and scripts and things like that that we could we could do. Um, but I think that whole the whole AI side of things now has really started to open people's eyes as to what's possible. And I think we're going to see a real revolution in what's happening in, in service desk, because again, so many of these tasks are simple, repeatable tasks that it just needs someone to press the right buttons at the right time, um, either to remediate or to prevent something, you know, going wrong. Um, and I, I love the stuff that, you know, we have access to in super ops already, which is auto remediation we all know you know there's that one server for a client that every month or every six weeks this service stops and it means the whole thing stops running and someone has got to get on there and and the amount of time that it takes it's not a big job but the amount of time that it takes is you know for the escalation to happen for it to hit the right engineer for them to go into the documentation system to find out the connection details and the username password details to remote manage onto the device, to get authenticated, to find the service layer, and then to restart the service. Maybe it takes 15 minutes. It's not a huge amount of time. But we can have an alert that comes in that says, hey, you know, this, this has happened again. Okay, well, here's the auto remediation that needs to happen from our management tool straight to that server. 
it's been remediated and the ticket's been updated. Say, yeah, the alert came in as expected, pretty much, because it happens every four weeks or six weeks. It's been sorted. The service has now been restored. Problem fixed. But that's beautiful. Think about that for how many servers that MSPs are managing or how many endpoints they're looking after and how many times they have that repeatable issue. And that's why I'd say you have to at least once a month look at the tickets. What are the tickets that are coming in and how many of them can we get rid of? In one of our previous businesses, um, we had a, a huge network and absolutely thousands of, of ADSL endpoint routers. And okay. we, we would know that over time, you know, maybe maybe every 30 days or 60 days, the speed would just get slower and slower and slower. And then eventually it would stop connecting and there'd be no, no transfer getting through at all. And so for these thousands of endpoints every month, we were getting hundreds of tickets in from calls from customers saying, hey, this site's gone down or this site's too slow or we can't seem to get anything, you know, nothing's downloading um, and just annoying, you know, networky type issues. And we, we just looked at it and went, well, we're getting hundreds of these tickets. Well, yeah, but we always see this and we know it always happens. Well, what's the resolution? We just need to give it a reboot. Right. Okay. I'm sorry if this seems dumb, but why don't we just reboot it on a regular basis? Oh, well, well that might cause an outage. Hmm. Or they're going to have this really deteriorated service over a long period of time and then eventually have a longer outage by the time they phone you, get a ticket raised, you go in the documentation, you get the connection details, everything I said before about finally getting onto the endpoint and then rebooting it or just talking through someone on site to reboot it. Why don't we just proactively reboot these things? So we would set up a script that cascaded through the entire network of all the DSLs. And we would make sure that at least once every seven days, they had a reboot at a really convenient time for that client. We just reduced in huge factors the number of tickets that were coming in to the service center. And the thing is that that had been going on for years and no one had stopped to go, why don't we just do something proactive about it? And I know it sounds really dumb, but I, I promise you there are we're going to be listening to the show today um, and they are thinking, huh, we've never done that. We've never stopped to look through the tickets and go, what could stop? What would we stop them calling us about? What could we proactively fix? And that's why I say there's there's so many tools that we have now, especially with super ops where we can go, I've detected this. Well, we know from analyzing our tickets, when that happens, this is going to happen next. It's going to be an outage. It's going to be a service down. It's going to be something else. And we also know if that happens, then this is what we need to do next. Well, let's shortcut that process with these proactive scripts or proactive you know alert and remediation tasks that's going to make such a huge difference not only to your service desk tickets and numbers but also to the service to the end users they're going to see far fewer outages or they're going to see regular maintenance windows which means that actually the whole system's just up and running exactly when they need it and again this sounds really super simple. It genuinely does. But I know that there are MSPs listening to the show that just haven't gone through that process yet. And what you can also do then is once you're in that regular mindset of checking your service test tickets every month, this is where, again, you can look for, have we got some wrong fit products? Have we got some wrong fit customers? Are they just taking too much time because they're just a difficult client? And is there a better way that we can handle that relationship? But I would always, going back to, to my point at the top, where can we automate this stuff? Can we automate it? Can we pick a better product? Can we standardize 
so that all the customers have the same products and services. Because once you find a stack that really works and is really low maintenance and is providing really great value to your end users, those are the products that you want to move everyone across to. Um, and I was chatting with uh, an MSP operator just last week, maybe two weeks ago, who said that when they did their review, they had maybe 26 products in their stack, you know, across all their customers, 26 different products. Wow. And and there will be multiples of antivirus backup and, and this. And, and they were like, we have to reduce that. We've maybe got two or three customers with this backup product and everyone else is on this backup product. Well, let's standardize so that everyone has the same backup product. Let's standardize. Everyone has the same AV, the same VPN. And by reducing that product stack down to, I think they were down to about 17 products at that stage, has made life so much easier. Because again, systemize, standardize, automate has made life easy. Yes. And and completely because, uh, like you mentioned, a lot of MSPs haven't had the chance to take this, you know, look at their tech stack or their products or, you know, the the what's causing these uh, hundreds of tickets coming their way because they just haven't had the time, right? And and like you mentioned, the entire point of the automation about auto remediation, right? In fact, I was talking to a customer of ours a, a week or so ago, Matthew, who was mentioning that, you know, he was uh, because of the uh, server maintenance that was happening automatically. He didn't realize for six months that this was happening. And one day he made a change in the script and something went wrong. And which is when he realized that things were running perfectly in the background and there were no tickets or alerts being created because it had been set up. It was an automated process. And that's the entire point of auto remediation, right? It gives you time. It gives you, and that's the most important part of, uh, or the most important resource that an MSP can have right now. Time on your hands so that you can sit back, take a look at the business that you're running, see where you can, you know, see where you can add value and become that strategic advisor or partner to your customers and not just, you know, running around and fixing things, become proactive, like you mentioned, you just mentioned that, right? Move away from being reactive to proactive. And I think that's the entire point. If, if I could sum up to a certain extent, um, you know, all the points that you raised right now, the entire point of becoming a more proactive MSP and not just uh, fixing things, but actually preempting issues, ensuring, like you said, having that good problem, right? When the customer asks you, what, what are you really doing? I haven't faced any issues for the past year because things have been fixed before they became a problem. I think that's the entire purpose of, you know, automation and standardization. And that's almost like the holy grail for MSPs. No, absolutely. And, and, you know, to have that consistent revenue coming in, really understand your costs and know what your profit margins are per client is, is huge comfort factor. Um, and, but then to know that we have, you know, a standard set of products, they're set up in a standard way. The service desk is quiet, you know, to the, to the nicest extent. And, and we've gone proactive rather than reactive. It's a really comfortable place to be because then whenever someone does call into the service center, I tell you what, the guys who are getting the, the calls in are going to probably have something interesting to chat about or just something lovely to chat about. They've got more time to talk to the person who's calling rather than just sort of bombarding through a ticket and yeah, 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 okay, yeah, password reset, okay, see you, bye. And I know that nobody wants to provide that experience, but sometimes the pressures on first and second line support are so much with the sheer volume of calls coming in that it can be quite curt and quite short. And, you know, I've, I've dealt with your problem, on to the next one. And actually, if we can take some of those real boring tasks away and leave them with more interesting conversations to have with clients, 
that's so much more valuable. And it really resonates with, you know, we want to be managed service providers. We want to be managing a great service that is delivering some excellence, you know, for the customer. So the IT isn't a headache. It's not, it's, you know, it's not something that gets in the way. Their IT actually helps them get on with their day and, and do whatever their business is. And that's the whole value that we want to bring as MSPs. The more that we can standardize and automate that, everybody gets a much better experience. Um, and I think, you know, just to come to, just to, to cap on, I think, to the other side of, of SOPs, we've talked about the very positive side, I think, of, you know, gaining a new team member and, and getting them up to speed quickly. I think the the flip side can be, you might lose one of your best techs. That could yeah. be something that happens either in, you know, a, a, a merger and acquisition situation, or it might just be that they found a beautiful opportunity somewhere halfway around the world. And you, 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 couldn't hold them back. You're like, wow, take it. It's, you know, it sounds amazing. Go for it. That can happen with one of your best techs. And oh my goodness, what do we do? You know, a lot of the stuff that we knew was was in their head. What what, what are we going to do? Having your SOPs will really help, but having your automation will really help because you're not completely dependent on that single superstar, you know, tech that you have. Actually, the knowledge is is well documented or well distributed across the team, or even better. It's sat in a script or a system that actually takes care of it for you. And so having your superstar tech leave, whilst it's not great and you might be really happy that they're moving on, it means that you can comfortably take your time to hire in that replacement tech. You don't have to knee jerk and go, oh my goodness, we have to get someone with these skills really quickly and rush through the recruitment process where you might make a bad call. Right? You want to make sure you're going to pick someone who's a great fit for the, for the current team and the organization and the business culture. Having that time will come down to how much you've selected your products and your services, your standardization and your automation. All of that will help you in those processes of either replacing someone who's, who's left or bringing in a new person to the team. Yeah, ensuring the things are not breaking, right? Great. On that note, I think, Scott, we are out of time Uh but thank you so much for joining so many great points. I think, you know, each of these points, we can get into a separate episode itself. And maybe, you know, we could have a follow-up uh, episode where we dive deeper into some of these other uh, points that you mentioned. Thank you so much for this extremely insightful uh, episode and for, you know, sharing your playbook with us. Thank you so much. Oh, thank you. It's been wonderful. Thanks for, thanks for chatting today. And I would love to do a follow-up episode.